Hello, welcome to the Lansing Area Church of Christ's weekly message podcast. If you'd like to learn more about LACC, please visit us online at lansingchurch.org. Today's message from Joel Nagel continues the June Go With God sermon series and is called Biblical Salvation. Um, I want to say good morning. We're in um, our second week of this mini-series. We're going through the Go With God Bible study series that we do to help our friends become Christians. Last week we talked about uh, how that's just, that's what we do. We believe that not just the, the minister, the professional staff, or a few key leaders, but everybody who's a Christian can and should help their friends become Christians. And so we've made this resource the Go With God booklet, and the website, gowithgod.org, so that you have uh, some great resources uh, that can give you the confidence uh, to help your friends become Christians. And so today, we're actually doing week three in the booklet and on the website, but you can just sit back and follow along with with the sermon today. Um, But this week three is biblical salvation. And so I have a question for you, and we talk about this a lot, so I hope you know the answer. Here's my question. The big question of today is, do you know the gospel? Do you know the gospel? Gospel is an old English word that just simply means good news. Do you know the good news of Jesus Christ? You know, I bet we could all share some news. We could share some of the headlines from this week, even if you're not super engaged with the news or social media. You probably know that there's a war going on in Ukraine. There's Supreme Court stuff. There's politics. COVID's still a thing. That's the world's news, and it's usually not so good. But could you share the good news? What's the good news? Before I tell you the good news, Let me show you the significance of good news, of gospel in the Bible. In Mark chapter 1, verse 14, we had this last week in our our sermon as well. It says, now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel, the good news of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. And so we don't know exactly what the gospel is here, but we know it has something to do with the kingdom of God. And we know that when Jesus preached it, he wanted people to change their whole lives. That's what it means to repent and to believe in this news, this good news that he was bringing. Later on in Mark, it says, In calling the crowds to him with his disciples, he said to them, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, And take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. Uh, The gospel is a pretty big deal. Saying it's, it's worth your life to believe and to spread the gospel. In Luke chapter 9, we won't read all of this, but at the beginning of this, Jesus He calls the 12 disciples together and he sends them out two by two. He says, I want you to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal people. And then in that last verse, it says they departed. And so how did they proclaim the kingdom of God? Well, they were preaching the gospel everywhere 
they went. The gospel is the good news about the new kingdom that God has given us in Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72 more with the same message. Preach the gospel. They come back and Jesus says, they say, we saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven because the gospel was preached. Do you know the gospel? There's more. I'm not done yet. Mark 16, verse 15 and 16. At the, the great commission of the gospel of Mark, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. He says, proclaim the gospel to every person. That's not what it says. It says, to all of creation. So I go on these prayer walks. I'll, I'll go out in the woods. And uh, this year, it's crazy. There are so many turtles. I'm meeting a, tur- a new turtle almost every day. And I get down, and, and me and the turtle, we have conversations, and they tell me their names. It's, it's been a wild month of, of running in the woods, praying in the woods, and meeting turtles. Uh, what I love is that we're proclaiming the good news, not just to people, but it's, it's supposed to change the whole world. We think, oh, it's changed the world. Let's change the people. No, the whole of creation is impacted by the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's how good the good news is. And even this, this is incredible. I don't even totally understand this. Matthew 24, 14 says, And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. So there's something with the preaching of the gospel and Jesus coming back. That's pretty significant. That's kind of a big deal. Do you know the gospel? Do you know the good news? I could keep going, but I'm going to come back to the very first scripture I showed on screen. Romans 1 verse 16. Paul says, people were saying, hey, you have, Paul, you haven't come to Rome yet because you must be ashamed of the gospel. Paul says, no, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. Everyone. The gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. You know, we're going to talk about a lot of things today that kind of hover around salvation, biblical salvation. Different pieces of the salvation puzzle. But it's the gospel, the good news, that has the power of salvation for all who believe. So I'll ask you one more time. Do you know the gospel? And here's why I ask the question, because I think as a church, and this is a good thing, we have done an excellent job. And if you've ever studied the Bible with somebody, if someone has, has gone through Bible studies like this with you, then you know how to respond to the gospel. You know the teaching about the response that we should have to the gospel. A saving faith. The response to the gospel looks like this. You believe, and you repent, and you get baptized. We know that, right? We know believe, repent, and get baptized. And the study, the biblical salvation study and Go With God, covers those things. It helps people to have a response to the gospel. And it's important. The response is important. 
You know, when we study the Bible with people, if, if you've ever sat down and tried to help somebody see what the Bible really says about salvation, um, usually this is, you know, the first study is about being a disciple. People are like, yeah, I want to be a disciple. The last study is about the church. Most people are like, yeah, I want to do church. But this biblical salvation, this is where people start to get, things get like this sticking point. You start to have some disagreements. And it's in the response. That's where usually the people are like, well, what do you mean I have to repent? I have to change? Or people are like, wait a second, baptism is what? I have to, baptism's really a thing? Or, they get, or they're like, oh, man, I don't know if I believe everything. And this is where denominational beliefs, traditions, false doctrines start to rear their ugly heads. It's usually right here. And maybe you can think about when you studied the Bible, you're like, oh, yeah, I had some of that. I remember that. You know, a lot of times um, we engage in one of those areas. So someone has the sticking point. We're like, okay, well, let's do it. Let's, let's talk about repentance until you repent. Let's, I'm going to give you the book on baptism. By the way, I have, a, I have a few books on baptism. One of the books is the largest book I own um, on baptism. There's like, there's like two dozen verses on baptism in the New Testament. And this book, wow. Um, you could lift weights with this thing. It is so thick um, on baptism. Um, Here's the thing. Belief, repentance, baptism, all a part of the response, necessary. But what was the power of God for salvation to all who believe? Is it the response to the gospel? Or is it the gospel? The response to the gospel is necessary, but it's the small part. It's our part. And Of course, when you really focus a bunch on our part, we're going to disagree. The gospel itself, that's the big part. That's the power of salvation part. The part that Jesus and the disciples preached. The creation changing part. The part that might even usher in the return of Jesus Christ himself part is the gospel. And so the study covers the response, but when you teach this study, I want you to to know the gospel, to come from a point of, hey, we're going to talk about the gospel. We're going to talk about what God did. And then, yeah, we'll get to what you need to do. Let's focus on God and what he's done. I think that's why so many of the disagreements we often end up having about the response to the gospel, that's why we have those disagreements, is because we, we fail sometimes to adequately proclaim the gospel in the first place. The response to the gospel, belief, repentance, baptism, is totally rooted in the gospel. It's not like out of left field. If you know the gospel, which we haven't even shared yet, I'll get to it, I promise. If you know the gospel, then when someone says, well, you need to believe it, you're like, of course. And when someone says, okay, you're going to have to repent, you're going to have to change your life. Well, yeah. Uh, and, And to cap it all off, you're going to need to get baptized. Where's the water? Let's do this thing. That's what happens. I'm going to ask you one more time. I already said that one more time. Again, do you know the gospel? Let's look at it. Like, yes, let's go. I want, oh, there it is. Here we go. Here's the gospel. Are you ready? This is the gospel, not in a nutshell, but on one slide. Here's the gospel. God 
created. And we sang about that, right? He gave us life. God created. And then what do we do? <laughs> we sinned. And so what is this, what is God's creation filled with? Well, it's, it's a world, it's a fallen world. And we still live in a fallen world. But what God didn't leave us, he didn't abandon us, he didn't say, well, that was a nice try, let's go move on to somewhere else. He had a plan. And that plan was for us to be redeemed. Jesus died. Jesus did not stay dead. He resurrected. He rose from the dead, overcoming sin, overcoming the consequence of sin, the curse of sin, which is death, so that we could have life. Now, there was a time when you read the Old Testament, maybe some of you guys are reading the Old Testament right now, where they looked and they, they said, okay, the world was created, obviously. I love that because it's like, did God really create the world? Well, here we are. Uh, yes, the world was created. And you think, well, is sin really that big of a problem? Yes. <laughs> we can all see that in our own lives and in our world. So these parts of the gospel are undeniable. You don't need a book to tell you this. It's, it's obvious. We live in a world and there's sin in the world. But in the Old Testament, they were like, they, what can we do? How is this sin going to be dealt with? And they had a sacrificial system and they had some temporary things that were signs of what would come, but they didn't have the solution. And we're so blessed that we get to look back at the cross. We get to look back at the empty tomb and see that God had a plan to save our souls. But just like they were waiting for the cross and for the resurrection, we're doing some waiting too, aren't we? Because even though we have Jesus, we have forgiveness of our sins, we, we wait for restoration. We wait for everything to be made right. Do we still live in a fallen world? We sure do. And are we saved? Can we be saved? Are we redeemed? Yes. But it's hard to live a saved life in a fallen world. That's where we find ourselves. That's gospel. What I love about gospel is it's, not, it's beyond just this study, but if you can be gospel fluent, like you're fluent in a language, if you can have gospel vision, like, like a filter where you see the world, you're not so surprised when you see somebody sin. You're like, oh, well, that's gospel. And then you're not so surprised when you see something fixed. You're like, how did this get better? How is my, I'm, now I'm a Christian, I'm going to church, and my kids are doing awesome. What, how is this happening? Well, it's gospel. We have redemption. Not perfection, not yet. It's the gospel. And so I, what I want to encourage us with is I would love it if you could, and this is your homework, if you, some people took a picture of this, take a picture of it. We should know the gospel. You should be able to rattle something like this off the top of your head. You know, you get behind a, a terrible driver and you're like, why is this happening? You're like, oh yeah, we live in a fallen world. It's gospel. <laughs> Or somebody does an awesome thing on the road. You're like, oh, this redemption, that's incredible. Oh, this is so great. Okay? You should know this. And when you, if, if you have the, the, the opportunity to study this study with somebody, make sure it's steeped in gospel. And I'll talk about that in just a moment here. So this is the gospel. How do we know this is the gospel? Because this is when Peter preaches the very first sermon of the New Testament. He preaches the gospel the people who hear that sermon have this response. They say, 
Um, brothers, what shall we do? So I'll read this. This is how Peter ends the first sermon. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, this is how you respond to the gospel. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We know this well, I believe, and we should. It's such, but, but it's the message that comes before it that causes them to say, brothers, what shall we do? By the way, that's the best response a preacher could ever get. If you guys ever like, hey, brother, what, what shall I do? After, after the sermon, I'll be like, yeah, let's go. We did it. Um, that must have been a good sermon. But this is like the best sermon ever. And so, but, but it's because he preached the gospel. And go back and read it. The message he preaches before this that we know so well is so important that tongues of fire come down and everybody hears it in their own language. God's like, this message is so important then I'm going to do this crazy miracle and translate it so you can hear it in your own language. That's how important the message is. And then what does he talk about? Well, he talks about our sin. And he talks about God's, God's response to our sin, the cross. And then he really focuses on resurrection because that was the new, they were like, what resurrection? Can that be? Oh, yeah. And then he says this. Um, what's cool is, this Bible study, in our, in our Bible study booklet here, focuses on the same thing. It starts off and it talks about our sin, part two of the gospel. And then it focuses on the cross, what God did. His response to our sin was the cross. And that's what Peter ends this. I looked it up in the Greek, and it's really interesting, actually, um, because that's kind of an awkward sentence. This Jesus whom you crucified. It's almost like Yoda language, like this Jesus, you crucified. Uh, but, but Peter, he could have chosen to end that sermon with anything. He could have like, here's some practicals for you guys. Here's some homework. Here's a cool story uh, to end the sermon with. But he ends the sermon with the word crucified. Because that's the point. That's where the gospel saved the world, was on the cross of Jesus Christ and in that empty tomb. That's the important thing. And then comes our response, which I think we know well. All right, so let's put this all together. The Go With God Bible studies here this, this week three, it starts with the problem that the gospel solves. It starts with sin. Uh, when we talk about being saved, isn't that, it's, fun, it's like church language, like, hey man, are you saved? Or I got to help my friend get saved. From what? Like, you're a, when you talk about being saved, you're assuming that someone is dying, is, is lost, that they, they need saved from something. Uh, and so one of the things, if you're helping somebody to, to become saved, you need to get on the same page with them that they need to be saved. A lot of times people will come into this study and they're going to feel really judged. Like, what do you mean? What do you mean we've got to talk about my sin? What, do you, what, 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 what is this? That's because you're not speaking the language of gospel together. We all need saved because we all have sin. And so that's really important. Here's, here's the way I look at that. So let's say you're hanging out at the beach, and it's you and your buddy, and your buddy's swimming, and 
he starts to drown. And you go out, he needs saved from the water. The water's going to kill him. You go out there and you pull him back onto shore and you do CPR, he's going to be so grateful, right? That same buddy, if he's out there just swimming and he's not drowning, and you pull him out of the water onto shore and you start doing CPR, he's not going to be grateful. <laughs> he's going to have a very opposite reaction. He's probably going to punch you, right? And so we need to help people realize, hey, this is what the Bible says. I'm not judging you. You're not any different than anybody else. We all have sin that's killing us. That's the curse of sin is death. We all need to be saved. And so the study begins by talking about our sin. The best way to help somebody feel comfortable about sharing sin, you want to get them on that gospel page and then share about your sin. Because even, if, even when we're saved, we still live, this is gospel, in a fallen world. And so we still sin. And, and I don't know about you, but I've always got plenty of things to share with somebody who's doing this Bible study. The next thing you talk about after, um, let me get caught up in my slides here. The problem is sin. God's response to that problem is the cross of Jesus Christ and the empty tomb. And that's the next thing the study talks about. Um, there's a, there are some of the best passages in the whole Bible, Isaiah, Psalms, Matthew, that talk about the, the cross. And your friend will have read those already, really steeped himself or herself in these passages and, and really looked at their sin and then God's response to their sin, the cross. Uh, my favorite, though, is Isaiah. And so usually I, I pick one of these passages and just really dive into it. Isaiah was written 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah was written before a cross was even a thing. And it describes the cross. It says things like this. His appearance was so marred beyond human semblance. Think about that. That's what our, that, God's response to our sin was to have Jesus on the cross beaten to a point where you're like, is that a person on the cross? Are they crucifying animals now? What? Oh, that is a person. That was God's plan. A man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. You know, I like to talk about with this, if I'm studying with somebody, I'll be like, hey, do you have any nicknames? And people have some pretty cool nicknames. Um, and most, most people have nicknames. Uh, Jesus' nickname, man of sorrows. That's a terrible nickname. But that's what he became so that we could be saved. I like to talk about people's hobbies. Like, hey, what's something that you're acquainted with? Oh, you like to sew. That's, that's beautiful. That's wonderful. Jesus was acquainted with grief. His hobby, grief. That was God's plan. Pierce for our transgressions. Crush for our iniquities. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. There's gospel. We're all, we all sin. Jesus didn't open his mouth. It says the, it was the Lord's will to crush him. And yet, there's even a glimpse of resurrection, but he We'll see his offspring. Here we are, and prolong his days. I love this passage, but the other ones are so good too um, in, in the Bible study here. Uh, the, the last question on here, uh, how does the cross inspire you to change? How can you respond to Jesus' death? That's really the same question that, 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 that's prompting people to have that same question that they had when Peter preached this originally. Hey, what do I need to do? I've, I've looked at my sin. I see the cross. What do I do? What do I need? And that's when now we get into the response to the gospel. Well, you need to do the same thing Peter said. Believe, repent, and be baptized. And so I just, I want us to have, even if, even if you're already almost there, 
I want to take you all the way to this mind change, okay? That God's response to our sin is the big deal. That's the big thing. It's huge. It's incredible. It's Jesus. It's the cross. It's the resurrection. It's the good news. Our response to that salvation, very small. Still essential, but it's not the big deal. Okay? I want to end with two, two little things here as we, as we close out, and we'll take communion. Our response, believe, repent, be baptized, is rooted in the gospel because the gospel is the power of God for salvation to all who believe. And so why repentance? Why is that part of our response? Well, it's because we need to die to our sins. We need to crucify our old selves. It's rooted in the cross. Why baptism? Why, why getting immersed in water and brought back up? Why baptism? Well, because it's a, it's a burial ceremony. You're be, you died in repentance. On, you crucified your old life by the power of God. And now you're being buried in the water. And you're rising to a new life. Sins forgiven. Gift of the Holy Spirit. Added to God's kingdom, which we'll talk about in our next sermon next week. And so it's rooted, both of those things, they're not, as I said, they're not out of left field. Symbols, they're rooted in the gospel, in the cross, and in the resurrection. You're helping your person, when you do these Bible studies, to crucify themselves by the power of God because their old self needs to die. You're helping them become a candidate for burial in the water so they can rise to a new life. That's what the New Testament teaches. This is so essential. It's so essential that we help people to crucify their old lives, to die, to be buried, and to rise to life. Because what happens? What's it called when you bury somebody that's not actually dead? Or not all the way dead? We have a word for that, right? A couple words. Undead. Zombies. And I look at at Christendom, and I'm like, it's like full of people like, oh, got to go to church. Maybe that was you this morning. Oh, it's Sunday. You got to go to church. Oh, I got to read my Bible. Let's see. Proverbs 23 again. That's the very, no. What, like, we, we need to actually die so we can rise to life. If you really want to know the, the theological significance of that, I want to encourage you to read 1 Corinthians 15 this week. That chapter, Paul is like, hey, if, if Jesus didn't really die, then we're not just like following a good teacher still, like, oh, good job, let's be, let's be like really moral, holy people. He's like, you, we are the worst of all people to be pitied above everybody if Jesus didn't really die. And that's true for us too. If you didn't really die, then you didn't get buried and rise to new life. You're a Christian zombie. We don't want to make Christian zombies, do we? It's cool in the movies, but not in real life, amen? All right. The other thing that I would emphasize with around this, you know, the gospel and the response to the gospel, there are so many false doctrines. There are so many ways that salvation is taught. Um, and, and so my job as your minister, one of my jobs, is to, is to proclaim the gospel and the response to the gospel in a biblical way. And I take that part of my job very seriously. And this is where I have confidence. Um, and I don't want to say that I have pride. I want to be humble even with this. 
but, but I think we should be confident, and here's why. Um, Peter preached the gospel and the response to the gospel in Acts 2, the very first sermon in the whole Bible after Jesus died and rose from the dead. That's a pretty good place to get your doctrine from. But it wasn't just Peter. It was also the other 11 apostles that stood up with him and preached it. And the Holy Spirit translated that message so that people from all over the world could hear that very first message. And so has anything changed since that first message? No, no one has come and said, well, here's the new way you, you get saved. Now that we have televisions, you just touch the TV. That has never been a thing. We're still going to do it the Acts 2 way. But it's more than just Acts chapter 2, which, by the way, Acts 2 is written by Luke, the guy who wrote the Gospel of Luke. So now we've got the 12 apostles, Peter, the people who were there in Jerusalem, who spread all over the world, and Luke. Well, Mark wrote about it. We read that scripture where Mark says, preach the gospel to the ends of the earth. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. So now we've got the gospel of Mark. Paul wrote about it in Romans chapter 6. He links repentance with baptism. So we've got Paul, but he says in Romans chapter 6, Paul says, we. And so who's the we that Paul's talking about? He's talking about the Roman church. And maybe you've heard of the Roman church. It's kind of a big deal. And so we teach the response to the gospel the same way that the Roman church did, that the 12 apostles did, that John the apostle does later on in, in, when he writes John chapter 3. Even the book of Revelation talks about repentance and baptism in a beautiful and elevated language. And so I find confidence as your minister to teach the gospel and the response to the gospel in this way because this is, because basically, we're in good company. When you teach this response to the, to the gospel, there's a lot of people, there are a lot of names in the Bible, a lot of churches that agree with this way of teaching the gospel. Amen? Um, if you're up to it this week, your homework is to go through this Bible study. But keep the gospel in mind as you go through and learn about the response to the gospel. Last thing I would say is I just urge you, if, if you have the opportunity to, to do this Bible study with a friend, I, I encourage you to approach the whole thing with humility. Approach each person who studies the Bible as a unique individual, because they are, as, as a person that God personally would send his son to die for, because that's who they are, uh, as a person who still has their salvation story being written, because that's who they are. And so we should be such good listeners, such patient and loving teachers. When I teach this study, I do go into it with so much confidence, not because I've perfected my technique or I know just what to say or anything about me. But what I love about this study is that I get to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ and the response to the gospel. And I'm not sure if you know this or not, but the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. Amen? Let's say a prayer and we'll take communion. Thanks for listening to this week's message from the Lansing Area Church of Christ. While we're happy to share this message via podcast, we'd love to pray and worship with you in person. To learn more about our services or to connect with us, please visit us at lansingchurch.org. Have a great week and go with God. Thank you.